0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 706
1: on CJAD 800. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar. Josh Miller of Fuller Landau is unfortunately off for our last show of the year, so in his stead, we have Michael Newton of Fuller Landau. How's it going, Mike? Dan, how are you? Excellent, and uh, tonight we're focusing, uh, it's another one of our, our new theme shows, and this one's pretty interesting because a lot of entrepreneurs are in this position right now, especially after the, uh, the recession. We're talking about one-man shows, and uh, with us in studio, we have uh, our returning champion, he's back every season, Michael Eskenazi of Felix & Norton, you'll know and love the cookies. Hi Michael. Good evening, gentlemen. And uh, we also have Robert Shustak of Danvin here, also a one-man operation. Mr. Shustak, welcome to today's Entrepreneur.
2: Thank you for having me, good evening.
1: So first, uh, I think, Michael, we all know what Felix Norton is about. We've heard the story. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But first, uh, perhaps, Robert, uh, if you could introduce yourself to CJAD and to today's entrepreneur and let us know uh, what, what uh, Danvin is all about.
2: Danvin's a food importer and distributor in Canada. We have the rights. I have the rights for uh, various brands, U.S. brands for uh, Canada. Most of my business is uh, dealing, selling to uh, retailers, uh, the l- large retailers in Canada, Sobeys, Walmart, Metro, people like that. Uh, and a little bit of my business is selling to food
1: service. And uh, Michael, for those that aren't aware, I'm sure many are, uh, What uh, what is Felix Norton all about?
0: We're, we're a cookie company that started almost 29 years ago with a one store in Montreal and grew into many stores and now has diverged into uh, or di- diversified into uh, cookie dough and cakes that are in your local IGA store.
1: And uh, so, Mike, we're going to talk about one man operations. And is this the kind of thing that you're seeing more often at Full especially in recent years?
3: Yeah, I mean, you're always going to see the one-man the one, the one man operations, and we'll, you know, before somebody calls in and calls me sexist, we'll say one man, because both of the gentlemen in, the, in, sure. in here tonight are both men. <laughs> so, um, I think you know, one of the things we see a lot of is is the one man, but the reality is, and Robert and I were talking about this before, there's no such thing as, as a one-person operation. I mean, it may be one person on payroll, but... Between the network of people uh, that you're having, whether it's sales reps, whether it's some of your key suppliers, whether it's some of the key customers, there's always going to be a very hot circle of people around you in order to get things done. So just because you may be working out of your basement or you may be on the road by yourself doesn't mean you're, you know, you're standing out on an island all by yourself. But when it comes to to dollars and cents at the end of the day, there's no doubt that uh, you're the one holding the bag
1: and uh gentlemen, did you always know that you were going to be the head of, of a one man operation or did it just sort of work work out that way
0: for in my case uh it it, it evolved that way uh it, at the very beginning uh I opened a store and had uh, half a dozen employees it grew to a chain of uh, 45 stores and and uh, there were probably close to 300 people that I was responsible for uh, some employees some franchisees some of their employees but it was a very large organization and then my business went through uh, other uh, changes some difficulties and uh, now it's been reborn as as a one man uh, organization then robert
2: No, uh, actually I started off uh, after I I graduated with an MBA, I went into uh, the the family business which uh, was a uh, a retail business of men's clothing and I thought that was going to be my opportunity and uh, we had um, about 18 stores at the time. My father's uh, had 18 stores and um but uh it became a, a very uh, challenging environment the men's clothing industry um the uh sales were declining uh, in the industry as a whole uh it was a contracting industry um and then i went to uh i transitioned to purchasing the assets of the business from my father and uh, but then about four years after that realized uh, it just wasn't there wasn't a future in the uh, men's clothing business for me so um, transition from there I started up a dot-com company in uh, 96 and um, with the bursting of the bubble in 2000 that didn't work out uh, either so uh, definitely had some challenges in the years prior and But uh, I, I think you learn a lot from, uh, from bad experiences, from mistakes, uh, things like that. And that's what led me into uh, kind of reassessing what type of business I wanna get into and what I thought were my strengths and weaknesses. And um, I found myself then uh, 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 putting together a short list of companies that I wanted, but I, I did know that I wanted to be um, uh, my own boss, and entrepreneur. That's what I always was, and um, so I got into the food distribution business.
3: If uh, if you take a step back and you go, as you mentioned, you started in in retail, uh, in the family business. You've pretty much always been an entrepreneur. Correct right? from from pretty much out of MBA school. Correct. Um, there's no doubt that what you experienced in that environment. Uh, you know, if you go from men's retail to dot com to food distribution you know, there's not a lot of similarities in the product, uh, but do you find there's a lot of similarities in your entrepreneurial style, what you've learned? We're all a product of where we've been, but how much of that hasn't changed in all these years?
2: I, we're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving as a person, and, and uh, you know, where I am today and, and uh, uh, has certainly evolved, and I've learned from all of those experiences. Um, it, there's not a lot of similarities between retail.com and food distribution. However, I would say to you that probably 80% is the same. 80% of all businesses are the same thing. Um, you, you either acquire some resources, produce something, add you know, some value to it and resell it. And hopefully you make enough profit between what you sell it for and what it costs you. And that's what business is. Uh so uh it, um uh you know uh, uh th- th- for me it it wasn't that difficult transitioning and kind of, and reinventing myself over each of those
3: occasions Michael from your perspective uh, you started out working for somebody uh or a couple of people I guess in different environments to go off onto your own I mean obviously uh, I'll ask you the same question you know, from where from whence you came going back to the 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 original side of what you saw uh, how much of what you learned back then do you still carry forward and still remember, other than some of the rough experiences?
0: Well, I, I learned so much about business from working for other entrepreneurs. And I know that when I first started, I was driven by, I don't want to be like them, I want to do it my way, the right way. But as time went on, I realized how many things I learned from them and how many good things that uh, the, the other people I worked for had had taught me.
3: Okay. There's, uh, there's no doubt that, you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's different even if you look at the professional services environment. You know, you take, the, you take the young ones that are coming along and you tell them to, you know, pick the good from Michael, pick the good from Robert, pick the not-so-good from Michael, pick the not-so-good from Robert, and become your own person. And I think those that end up succeeding are those that have had the ability to sort through the good and the bad and make their own persona at the end of the day. So it's interesting to see how, the, the, despite the fact that both of you started uh, in the rag trade, Uh, in retail uh, and you've come full circle again to be in in food it's a it's an an interesting environment but i think the uh, shall we say the road to those uh, are going to be quite different i think we come back uh, a little bit later we'll have a quick chat about uh, the uh, the fork in the road that i think both of you have, uh, have dealt with
1: Sharon sure, will ask you if you were to do it all over again, would you also uh, continue to be one-man, uh, one-person entrepreneurs? So in studio with us on today's Entrepreneur this evening, it's our special theme show on one-man uh, one operations, one-person operations. Just the two in studio happen to be men, so we're calling it one-man operations. Uh, Robert Stack of Danvin and Michael Eskenazi of Felix and Norton. Michael Newton is here as well from Fuller, Landau. Um. 719, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. Our inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Mike Newton, filling in for Josh this week. And uh, we're talking about one-person operations, one-man operations in this case, with Robert Shustak of Danvin and Michael Eskenazi of Felix & Norton. Guys, uh, do you ever miss not having some employees around to help you out?
0: I I certainly do uh, sometimes. Uh, One of the things that I miss is when I have... uh, major opportunities or major projects that I'm working on I miss having my team uh, around me. I do have other people. I have friends. I have my accountant and other advisors that I can discuss things with. But
1: your lovely wife as
0: well. Uh, and of course, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and but but I do miss uh, when I had a, a chief financial officer who would uh, help me with the numbers and uh, and a marketing guy who would help me uh, visualize the project. And I you know I end up wearing all the hats myself. And sometimes that's uh, sometimes that's fun. A lot of the time that's fun, but sometimes it's uh, you know I miss that that assistance. I also miss having gophers. So when there's a a, a Joe job to do, as it might be called, uh, I, I I end up having to do it because there isn't anyone else to uh, delegate it to. And
1: Robert, uh, do you do you ever fantasize about having help around the house or help around the business?
4: Yeah.
2: Well, I, you know, it's a bit of a misnomer to say that I, I'm a one-man operation in the sense, I, I, while I don't have an employee on the payroll, uh, I have a large network of people that I work with and work for me, um, but it's just in, on, under a contract basis. So um, I have sales reps uh, who are independent sales agents uh, across Canada, and um, in the food business, uh, they're known as brokers and uh, they represent not just my line, but maybe typically a dozen other food lines. And But I'm on the phone with them almost every day and we're discussing sales strategies and which account to contact and what the presentation should be. And I spend a lot of my time preparing presentations for them um i'll go to the customers with them for the first sales call but then they'll do the follow-up so there's a lot of that interaction that goes on i i work with an independent uh, communications agency for any marketing related things whether it's website or other packaging or whatever um, you know my my uh logistics is all outsourced through third-party uh, uh warehousing and, and common carriers So, you know, I can offer to my customers warehousing and delivery from coast to coast, but it's not my physical premises. I don't have a lease on a premises. I don't employ truck drivers. Um, So it's a very fluid situation, very flexible kind of business for me. But yet there's still a whole host of people that I'm networking with and talking with on a daily basis.
3: So, tis the season, we're going to uh, do a little bit of, uh, I guess, a flashback, so we'll uh, we'll use, a, a, I guess, a piece from uh, Scrooge, and uh, not that I'm implying either one of you is, but uh, ghosts of, uh, of entrepreneurs past. Uh, there's no doubt that, uh, Robert, at one point you had 120 employees in a previous life, Michael, you had up to 300 uh, employees that you were responsible for, and uh, now you guys are responsible for yourselves. Um, Maybe give us a little bit of the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, and why you're happy to not have the employee base at this point.
2: For for me, it's only been good. I, I, I love not having that, um, the, the employees that, and the fix, from a business point of view, the fixed cost associated with those employees, and um but just the qu- the quality of life that it gives me, uh, not having to deal with um, uh, all the issues of employees on a daily basis. Uh, I, I find that it's um, when you're dealing with uh, uh, salespeople on a contract basis, they're uh, very professional salespeople who uh, they, they go about their business. They're motivated to sell because they're working on a commission, and um, uh, it, it's it's only been good for me. Um, I, I also looked for a business that I thought was very simple I and mean, then keep it simple is really a key and um, I found that in the food distribution business so uh, for me it, it was also a quality of life issue. Okay. Michael,
0: well, I mean, there, as I said earlier, there there's some things about employees that I miss, but I certainly, from a, from a business point of view, from the cost uh, standpoint, it is certainly uh, a blessing and uh, much easier and simpler to run the business without uh, employees. Our, our businesses are quite similar. I'm in food distribution as well, so it is a relatively simple, uh, straightforward business that can be run. Uh, by one person it doesn't need that whole team and i also have brokers that that help me and um, and uh communication specialists and different uh, uh advisors that i can count on that that, that uh, fill out the team um but it is hard to to work uh, alone uh, and and i do miss i miss the company
3: well, there's no doubt the, the, the overhead component of running a rather large structure, whether it be fixed cost, whether it be the salary basis, is, is onerous. Uh, you know, you asked me earlier, Dan, in terms of we're seeing a lot more people uh, that you know, coming out as the one person shows. Uh, I think the, there's no doubt that what, what you're seeing a lot more of is people trying to get away from managing a lot of people.
1: We'll talk about office life, or in this case, home office life, after the break with our guest Robert Shustak of Danvin and Michael Eskenazi of Felix and Norton. It's our one-man theme show here on Today's Entrepreneur 725. Um. Seven twenty-eight. Welcome back, and our guest Robert Shustak of Danvin, Michael Eskenazi of Felix and Norton. So this is our one-man show. Um, and uh, quickly, guys, before news, I want to get a, just a lighter question in here. Uh, your your home is your office, right now. Do you find that that you are more productive because uh, because of that? Because you are working at home, or less productive. I mean, personally, I find it very. I tend not to work at home these days. But it's uh, w- what are your thoughts?
0: I, I I find it to be very productive because the the only the real difficulty is separating work and home life because I tend to they, they overlap a lot but I I can work when I want and play when I want and as long as I get it done I'm 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 a happy guy. The same thing, very productive. I've always been very task or
2: project driven. So um, uh, you know if I'm up at uh, five in the morning I can get work done if I want to uh, take off and go play a game of golf and then come back and work till 10 at night there's no problem it's you know whenever you want to work and get something done you can do it
3: i have a problem working from home as well but i think dan i figured it out listening to everybody here you and i are yet to reach that level of maturity and discipline (laughs) which is what it takes i think to be able to work from home so that you're not walking around in your slippers and your your sweatshirt all afternoon
1: that's probably true i I like working around other people because they keep me honest i have to look productive which makes me Productive. Uh, That's old school. (laughs) Old school. Uh, Coming up after the break, we'll talk more about one-person shows. Michael Eskenazi, Felix Norton is here, and Robert Shustak of Danvin. It's uh, coming up to 7:30 on CJAD. Let's get the latest in news right now with Kelly LaPerry. 7:35. 7:35. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur uh, and our guests on our one-man show special is Robert, our Robert Shustak of Danvin and Michael Eskenazi of Felix and Norton. Uh, Mike Newton is here from Fuller Orlando filling in for Josh this week. Mike, nice to see you again. Good to see you, Dan. A little shout out to Josh, even though I can't do his hello in a deep voice that he normally does. <laughs> and uh, so let's uh, let's talk about building your brands uh, solo and uh, or or not solo, but certainly uh, I guess you you guys are making the the executive decisions alone. You're your own. Uh, you know, uh, you know, VPs of marketing and HR and finance, and uh, you're running the whole operation yourself. Uh, do you find it's uh, it's been uh, ha- has working on your own given you some clarity, perhaps, in developing your your various brands? Uh, sort of cuts out the uh, the clutter and, and the noise, or do you or do you do you lean on outside people more to develop those brands?
2: Uh, in my case. My brands are licensed. Uh, uh, I I have the rights for Canada for a brand. So, for example, um, Simply Potatoes is one of my brands, uh, which is found. I might as well give it a plug in all of the uh, uh, IGA uh, stores in Quebec and in the produce section right beside the bag salads, as well as in the Walmart stores, same place. So um, this is an, an existing brand from the U.S., Uh, the the marketing strategy had already been developed Um, the consumer advertising they do in in print and online spills over into Canada so I didn't have to reinvent uh, the wheel for these brands and that was part of my decision into getting into getting the rights for established brands for Canada uh, that I wouldn't have to do it that being said there's always uh, trade uh, types of communications that have to be done new packaging has to be done so that uh, I and the communications agency that I use develop the expertise in doing that Um, but uh, as of yet I have not had to create a new brand myself
0: in my case, it's it's trying to keep the brand relevant, keep it top of mind. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, once again today, I bumped into somebody who said to me, "Oh, Felix and Norton, you guys still around?" And uh, so the real challenge is making people remember us and think of us, because there's a lot of uh, good products out there. So. It it, it's uh, what I work on uh, every day is how do how do I get people to go into IGA and buy some more cookie dough or some uh, one of our cakes?
3: But I think uh, Robert, uh, despite the fact that you were bringing in a known brand south of the border, I mean, obviously the retail space has changed dramatically in the last 15 years. Uh, You know, if you look at what you had to put in to bring a new product north of the border 11 years ago or 12 years ago when you started, um, is there any difference today going to, trying to bring something to market? I mean, obviously the the, the 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 social media and the online world is so much bigger, there's so much more of a global approach. Do you still have a, a niche? Do you still have a, a similar approach? Uh,
2: yes, in my case, it's uh, still similar in that uh, most of the products that I would bring in uh my uh my role and my strategy would be uh, uh more of a push strategy push marketing strategy so i would focus more on uh trade promotions uh doing st- participating in store flyers uh couponing in store demos that type of thing uh it's the supplier or the producer out of the u s that uh is my supplier that'll be uh, uh responsible for the pull part of the marketing strategy the direct to consumer advertising and that so and and I do that consciously because it it mitigates the resources that I have to expend into the the marketing strategy um my suppliers fortunately are are billion dollar companies in the u.s they have the resources to to do the pull part of the
3: strategy but from the push side i mean you made it sound so easy and getting in flyers and doing this and doing that but you know dumb it down for some of us i guess in terms of what that means
2: well it 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 means um working very closely with your customers and and uh it, you know one thing that's never changed in business is giving a product um well it, for, first of all I have two customers I have my the 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 customer I sell to who's the retailer and then there's the end consumer and both have to be satisfied so for the end consumer they have to have a terrific product at a great price um uh that that is Uh, convenient for them and and of high quality and and that's what I look for in products and by the same token for my immediate customer who's the retailer I have to give them a product that they can be proud of and make money off of Mm -hmm. and um, I learned very quickly in the uh, food retailing business that um, The the, the easy, I shouldn't say the easy part, only the first step is getting on the shelf. And and that could be a challenge in and of itself. Uh, But um, after that, the product has to move off the shelf. Consumers have to come in, have to buy it, have to come back to buy it. So you have to help that retailer uh, devise a strategy whereby they will keep moving product off the shelf. So... um, that's where you'll sit down with the category manager and you'll plan out a, a program for the coming year of promotions and and flyers and coupons and demos and different things like that. and um, you know I, I've been fortunate to have good solid products that you know consumers keep coming back for and uh, um,
3: and keep going. The retail space, uh, obviously, the food retail space in, in this country is limited in terms of the number of big players. Michael, if you look at trying to move your product, uh, similar to what Robert's saying, in terms of getting yourselves into the store, um, how many people are you talking to? Are you talking to one buyer? Are you talking to buyer in different locations?
0: Well, uh, what uh, the strategy that we use to to really get our products uh, going in retail since we didn't have the deep pockets of 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 a billion dollar manufacturer behind us uh, we we gave an exclusive uh, deal to uh, IGA so it was the only place you could get our cookie dough and in exchange for that IGA put a lot of their own uh, energy behind it and gave us uh, helped us a lot with the uh, the flyers uh, with in-store promotions, with demos, uh, so that people could actually taste the fresh warm cookie in in a store and and know that it was there. So you use the retail
3: on the push-pull, as opposed to the ability Robert was talking about being being the the manufacturer who was actually doing exactly. All right. If you were to do it all over again, at this point, both of you, in terms of rolling the products out, are you happy with the way it's gone? I mean, obviously. Uh, there's always there's always room for improvement, but has it has it been working well to your to your satisfaction?
0: Well, there's been some very good times and uh, <laughs> the, but you can't you can never sit back, not not for a minute, and uh, that's why I'm working very hard with some great people on uh, redoing our packaging for next year, re uh, launching some new products. There's always got to be something new and And that the, the world is going faster and faster and faster. So what things that could last for a few years now last for a year or six months and now and it's time to redo it.
1: Uh, We'll take a quick break in a second. Coming up next, uh, Mike, we're going to talk to Nick Moretis of Orlando, and he's going to give some uh, advice uh, to our one-person entrepreneurs about taxes, of course. He's a tax partner there. Uh, Insurance, I think, is on the menu, and uh, whether or not to incorporate. So if you are a one-man show, stay tuned, and Nick will have some great tips for you. And joining us in studio is Robert Shustak of Danvin and Michael Eskenazi of Felix Norton, with his cookies, of course. Thanks, Michael, for that. It's uh, coming up to 7.45 right now. Uh, You can help make... Kids' dreams come true with CJAD's 12.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 749 welcome back to today's entrepreneur it's our uh, one person show uh our special with robert schustak of danvin and michael eskenazi of felix norton mike newton is here filling in for josh uh, from fuller landau and also from fuller is nick moretis tax partner there so let's talk uh, nick how we can uh, help out uh these two gentlemen and others who have uh, one person operations because in a se- i mean you you become your own cfo in a sense uh so it's uh, it's important to uh to keep tabs in a lot of areas uh where, where would you like to begin tonight
4: Well, where you're looking at a solo entrepreneur, usually the first question we get asked is, uh, do I need to incorporate? Um, There's nothing obliging you to incorporate. You can become an unincorporated um, um, entrepreneur. You register your your business and you're off and running. You open up a bank account, keep the bank account a bit separate from uh, your personal, and you're you're simple. There's uh, the the bookkeeping is a little easier. uh, The financial production of information is easier. It's uh, an extra couple of forms on your tax, your own personal tax return and off you're going. Um, but there's certain advantages and disadvantages, and we have to look at that. Um, obviously one is tax. I mean, in, in Canada, most of what we do, there's a tax element behind it. So uh, corporations are, are advantaged a bit when it comes to income tax. Um, if you're making, say uh, um, say your profit at the end of the year is around $100,000, and that basically becomes your, your salary as a solo entrepreneur. Well, at a hundred thousand dollars, you're probably average tax somewhere in the mid thirties to high thirties in terms of what you're going to be paying out in tax, plus the social costs. Um, a corporation on on that level is only paying tax at about nineteen percent. So all of a sudden, you're starting to look and saying, "Oh, wait a second! I got I got this tax advantage here." Now, obviously, you need to live, and you got to take out money, etc. So that's what we tend to turn around and look at: is how much money do you make? How much money do you need to live? But there's other uh, tax advantages. Um, if it's just you yourself and I, that 100,000 that I was talking about, or it could be 50,000 or it could be 200,000 is basically yours. Um, you can hire a family member and pay them a salary, or you can incorporate and have the company hire your family member or, and pay them a salary. But they have to be doing something. Uh, if they're just at home looking at you, then you should not be paying them a salary. Uh, but there's other means to income split that as a, a solo entrepreneur you can't do, or, but with a corporation you can. You can bring in your family as shareholders. Uh, there they can sit at home and watch you work and you can pay them a dividend if you so choose and that the government will accept that that is their dividend because this is a business. Um, one other little advantage is if you're also taking into debt. Uh, so let's say you need to buy equipment, you need uh, you go to the bank, you get a small business loan and understand which is about a quarter of a million dollars. Well, if you're if you owe the bank now two hundred fifty thousand bucks and you have to pay it out over say five years, and you're not incorporated, that means you're making that hundred thousand uh, dollar say net profit at the end of the day. You're gonna have to pay say thirty five thirty eight cents of tax. Keep the leftover money to pay off your bank loan because that you can't write off against your taxes. But a business, if you're in an, an incorporated business, you only pay nineteen percent tax, and you got eighty two cents available. Sorry, uh, eighty one cents available to help you pay off the bank loan. So that bank loan getting it paid off is a lot easier if you're an incorporated business.
3: Yeah, I think the, the, the one question I think when you go back to the beginning is, is always, you know, uh, do I incorporate or not? And and it's funny because you'll say, you know, guys will say, well, you know, how much are you going to make? Well, how much are you are going to make is relative, I think, to how much you're actually going to spend. And I think that's, you know, Nick, when you allude well, to that point, is the question of if you're going to make $100,000 and you're going to need $100,000 to live, uh, you're not paying 19% no, tax because a- you got to get it out to yourself.
4: Absolutely, but with a corporation, there's opportunities that we don't have as a solo because um, that opportunity could be... Um, um, making paying dividends to other family members who are shareholders which you do not have uh, as a choice if you're a solo entrepreneur and that's something that we that we do have to look at but there's also non-tax reasons why we need corporations and one of the biggest ones is as a solo as an unincorporated uh, entrepreneur um, you're on the hook for everything that, that goes wrong with that business. If you, if you just unfortunately, with all the best plans, with all the best efforts, with all the best advice, if the business just doesn't go or you lose money in, in the initial years, you're funding it. It's your personal assets are now out there open for anyone to uh, come in and attack and, and, and get payment for something you did at the business. So your RSPs are open to your creditors your house, if it's in your name, are open to your creditors. The cash you have in your bank account or your car is open to your creditors. A corporation provides a shield um, and that shield could be limited if you're dealing with a bank who wants to give you a loan and wants personal guarantees but to the business world, to the creditors out there, to your suppliers and to anybody else who wants to come after you, your limit is basically if I put in a certain sum of money into my incorporated business, that is my money at risk. That's my money that I will lose, but at least I get a chance to protect everything else that I have, which is a, a big enough sometimes reason for a corporation that it tips the balance. From I'm, I'm borderline on the tax per perspective. Uh, my spouse works. My kids are way too young, so I can't share anything with them, but the, the liability is important.
1: More with uh, Nick and uh, also some advice for other solo entrepreneurs from our guest. That's next on Today's Entrepreneur.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back. Remaining moments. Nick Moraitis, a couple of very quick points, uh, advice for solo
4: entrepreneurs. Yeah, I just want to finish off with, the, with that liability protection that we were talking about. It was not just against business losses as well. It was against product uh, issues. If uh, you could make the best product, but it, sometimes it doesn't always work out. Someone sues you for lots of money, you're protected better in a company. The last point to have is for those who do start out unengaged incorporated. You can incorporate your business afterwards. But one thing I do suggest, don't just stop doing what you're doing in your name and start doing something in an incorporation. The government will look at that, that you sold your business to your company. There could be taxes There's a means to to do it, but you can incorporate it afterwards.
1: Robert Shustak, your one piece of advice for today's uh, one-man entrepreneur?
2: you're you're never uh, uh one man in reality you you have to uh, uh count on many people for good advice and that's everything from uh, uh family and friends who who can offer good advice to getting good professional advice and that's important and and I use fuller so uh, I'll give you guys a plug and, um, but uh, it, it is uh, important to ha- surround yourself with uh, uh, suppliers and, and uh, people that work with you and, and get that advice to keep improving.
0: Michael Askenazi of Felix and Norton. Like I really echo what uh, Robert said. Uh, it's, it's very key to have good people around you, uh, whether they be your family members, whether they be advisors, people who understand you and you can relate to, who can really help you achieve the goals you set for yourself
3: well i'll say that there's no difference uh, watching the uh, or listening to the one one person operation uh, i think the key under there is is the entrepreneur whether it's a large organization with multi-employees or not three factors are always going to be key passion execution and mindfulness i think if you can carry those three qualities
1: with you i think you're going to succeed whether you're one person or a hundred people very good. And thanks to our one-person operations, Michael Eskenazi of Felix Norton, Robert Shustak of Danvin. Uh, and, uh, of course, the guys from from, uh, from Fuller-Landau, Mike Newton. Thanks for filling in for Josh this week. Thank and you uh, Nick Moraitis as well. We're back on the 27th of January, so taking a few weeks off for the holidays. Uh, Josh will be back then. Uh, so join us for more of Today's Entrepreneur, usually on Monday nights here at 7 p.m. on CJAD 800. Uh, the Exchange with Matt Gurney is next. It's 8 o'clock.